Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Life and Leadership. This is the podcast where we discover together the many ways that faithful spiritual leadership flows from a faithful spiritual life. And today's guest is Jeff Shu. Jeff is the executive director of Flourish San Diego, which is an organization that seeks to help people and churches live into the fullness of who they were created to be so that they in turn can join God in flourishing their city and their world. Now, full disclosure, I served on staff with Flourish San Diego for about two years, from 2016 to 2018, so until May of this year. And another full disclosure, I loved it. I loved being on staff with Flourish San Diego. Jeff is a good friend uh, that I've known since 2007, and so when he asked me to come on staff with him in 2016, uh, it was almost a no-brainer. Nothing's a no-brainer, but it was almost a (laughs) no-brainer. Now, there's a, a story behind my going on staff with Flourish San Diego. I won't go into all of the details now, but I will say that it was a great gift uh, to join such a, an amazing organization at a time when I I personally wasn't sure what the future held for my family and me. And so uh, I really just loved coming and serving with Flourish San Diego. Now, the theme of this podcast, Spiritual Life and Leadership, actually flows from my time in large part uh, at Flourish San Diego. Uh, Jeff is a wonderful spiritual leader. And one of the things that I miss most about being on staff at Flourish uh, is, believe it or not, our staff meetings. Uh, Our staff meetings were every Wednesday morning from uh, 9 a.m. to noon, three hours, and most of that time was spent in spiritual formation, uh, reading scripture, praying through scripture, talking about scripture, how that scripture applies to our lives, uh, or just our reflections uh, personally in the midst of our lives on that scripture and books that we were we read for spiritual formation as well as for uh, professional kinds of learning and uh, so it was just a great time and then the last 45 minutes or an hour we did business um, right but that that way of doing things set the tone for the work that we did uh, as we worked with churches and individuals you know, to help them live into the fullness of who they were created to be. It helped our work come from a place of deep connection with God. Now, today, uh, Jeff and I will be discussing the gospel. Uh, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that how we think about the gospel affects everything else. You know, what, what does the gospel that we believe tell us about God? What does the gospel that we believe tell us about ourselves Uh, What does the gospel tell us about the world? Uh, What role does guilt and shame play in our understanding of the gospel? What does the gospel say is my responsibility? Uh, Is the gospel about God saving us out of the world for our sake, or is it about being saved into the world for its sake? Now, we won't hit all of these things, but I just wanted to emphasize like why what we believe about the gospel matters. Um, So we will tackle some of these questions and concepts in this episode, Uh, but primarily what we want to look at is the gospel as a four-chapter gospel rather than a two-chapter gospel. What does that mean? Keep listening and you will find out. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is Episode 9 of Spiritual Life and Leadership.
I'm here with uh, Jeff Shu today in the uh, Flourish San Diego office, uh, also known as the Greenhouse. And uh, I'll let Jeff tell a little bit about that when he starts talking. But Jeff, why don't you start by saying hello? Hi, how are you? Glad to be here. Yeah. So Jeff and I uh, worked together for about two years. Uh, I was on staff with Flourish San Diego, and it was a great time, and I loved my time uh, here, and so it's good to be back here in uh, the Flores San Diego office, but I've uh, Je- Jeff and I have actually known each other for, boy, it'd be about 11 years now, ever since I got here to San Diego. So, Jeff. Yes. Hi. Hi. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, a little bit about Flores San Diego? Yeah, so Jeff Shu as my 30-some-odd year in ministry or so, mm-hmm. and uh, over the years, uh, a lot of things have been changing and, and been learning and growing about a lot of things. I would say the Flourish San Diego, uh, now uh, in existence five years, in the year 2018, um, is uh, sort of a culmination of a lot of different things that I've been learning about. Um, discovering the fullness of the gospel and what discipleship means with regard to our own formation and uh, what it looks like to put mission into missionality. Uh, and really what Flourish San Diego is is an, uh, is an effort to try to package all these things so we can figure out how to faithfully be the church for the coming generation. Uh, So Flourish San Diego, we like to say our name is our aim, and the flourishing of our city, San Diego, is uh, what we say we're about. Right. Awesome. And um, you can say more about all of what you guys do as we talk about this, but uh, one of of the things that I loved about Flourish San Diego is that um, it's not just about uh, getting churches and people to do God's work. That's part of it. Um, but also, uh, it's about being deeply connected to Jesus. It's about our spiritual formation. It's about who we are uh, as human beings in Christ, who we were meant to be. Um, and uh, you know, just to think about that and talk about that, why, why would you say this deep connection to Jesus is so important? I think that uh, that's probably part of my own experience. Uh, for many Years, I believed that the central part of the gospel was the good news that my sins would be forgiven and I have a Savior and I go to, could go to heaven. Mm-hmm. But as I began to realize that the gospel um, was good news because, yes, it freed me from the penalty of my sin, but it also frees me from uh, the carnage that sin produces within my own life. Uh, and it also the gospel also frees us from uh, interpersonal tensions, you know, because I get to learn how to become the kind of person that can love others well and to steward our creation well. And all of a sudden, I realized that um, that the gospel was far more than just getting saved out of the world for our sake, mm. uh, but also provided the means for how to live into the world for its sake. Yeah. Um, so figuring that out was like getting slapped upside my head. Uh, in really realizing that many of the ways in which sin still manifests itself in my life and brokenness still manifested itself in my life was by placing my uh, hope uh, in many other things beside Jesus. Mm. And I think many Christians do that. Yeah. Uh, and we may be very well-intentioned with regard to our ministries to grow our churches, to do evangelism, or to serve others who are uh, more marginalized in our culture. But ultimately, it's very hard to do all that sort of stuff if you don't really understand that you're the beloved of God. Yeah. Uh, and when you get that one right, yeah. then all the other activities flow from 
uh, who we are becoming in right, Christ. Right. And that's why I realized I could tell people how to act and how to think and how to believe, but it would not be sustainable. It would be very unnatural yeah. if the inward person was not transformed right. by Christ. Because then, uh, then the spiritual life or the life of discipleship becomes an obligation rather than an expression of who we are, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so uh, one of the things that we, or that you, that we, I've, I've, can I still say we? You can. But okay. <laughs> that we talk about or we would Distinguished talk about. Distinguished alumni. Thank you. Uh, Flourish here. emeritus staff. Oh, oh, I like that. I like that. I can I need to put that on my card, uh, <laughs> uh, which I still need on card. Um, so we would talk about uh, the gospel. You talked about the fullness of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And we would talk about kind of the distinction between what we call the two-chapter gospel and the four-chapter gospel. And uh, would you say something about that? What, what's the two-chapter gospel? What's the four-chapter gospel? Yeah, so, you know, I, I've discovered that it becomes very important um, that um, how, how we frame our understanding of the world. And uh, it turns out that I'm discovering that the world works better when I realize it's not a set of principles I need to live to, but it's a story I inhabit. And that seems to make much better sense of how we live as people. And the only challenge with that is, what is the nature of the story that we believe we live into? And um, for me, with regard to my church background and my experience growing up, I had always understood the gospel, um, indeed the the challenge of the world, uh, was this fact that we are sinners and separated from God and have this debt to pay that none of us would really be interested in paying for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that the good news then, the gospel, is that this debt can be paid for by Jesus' work on the cross. Um, And so the two-chapter gospel is typically believing that the the story that makes sense of our lives Mm -hmm. um, begins with the problem of sin in Genesis 3 Mm -hmm. that must be resolved by Christ. Uh, and it satisfies the question of the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. Right. And if you say that the story of the world is a story of God, and God's mm-hmm. story is large, and man in our relationship with God is mostly about our brokenness that Jesus mm-hmm. fixes, so we can um, be sent, be considered the sheep yeah, yeah. versus the goats, yeah. um, then that's one way to look at the world. Yeah. The nice thing is that the pages of Scripture begin with a good creation in Genesis, uh-huh. chapters 1 and 2, yeah. where after every day, there's a statement of it is good. Yeah. Yeah. And another day, it was good. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of all seven days, it was very good. Yeah. And the culmination of the creation was the sticking of inhabitants into the air and the sea and the land. Yeah. And people yeah. is a culmination of that creation because we are created in the very image of God, right. created in the image of a creator, yeah. a worker, in a very real and physical world that mattered. Yeah. That matters because matter mattered. Hmm. And while I like to say at the end of creation, on the end of the seventh day, creation was perfect, I also like to say creation wasn't complete. Hmm. Created in the image of God 
we were given the joy, indeed the privilege, of being able to cooperate with God, mm. to steward the creation, yeah. to have dominion, not domination, but to create and discover and imagine and explore yeah. and um, in, in a very real, physical, tangible world. So if you realize it's not just a two-chapter story, but there's, it starts in it with a good creation yeah, yeah. where work was given before the fall. Yeah. And you recognize that the story of Scripture doesn't end in Revelation 20 with the great yeah. white throne judgment, but it actually ends in a new heavens and a new yeah, earth. Right. Now you're talking about the physical world Mattering. Right, right. My friend likes to talk about creation. The story of God starts in a garden and ends in a garden city. Yeah. And the idea of a city where the works of our hands are established and matter and actually might persist in some way. Civilization. Yeah. What that does then is says all of life matters. Yeah. All of what we do yeah. can matter. Yeah. Uh, in fact, all of what we do um, can participate in God's creative processes yeah. Yeah. and leads to some culmination where the effects of sin are not only um, uh, conquered, yeah. um, but the fruits of our labor, the, the works of our hand yeah. contribute with God's uh, redemptive purposes in the world. Yeah, that's good. So to summarize, okay. if you just have a two-chapter story where we get rescued out of the world for our own sake, mm-hmm. it leads to a very different way of living in this world than living into the world for its sake. Yeah. You st- a four-chapter gospel allows us to be able to understand how our entire lives matter yeah. and can participate in God's redemptive work. Yeah. Um, and if you had to give names, and I know we have or names or labels for each of the chapters, what would those names or labels be, or chapter titles? Yeah. Creation, Genesis 1 and 2. That's chapter 1. I'm sorry. Sorry, is that right? Chapter 1 of the story is in front of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Oh, okay, got it, yeah. Right? Fall, which begins in Genesis chapter 3. Right. It begins talking about the effect of sin in the world. Redemption is this whole chapter of Jesus' work, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, in the world. Yeah. His work on the cross and what it now makes possible. Yeah. Uh, and the final chapter of the big story would be restoration right. uh, the re- or the renewal of all things or right. even consummation, the completion of all right. of uh, this, this uh, experiment on earth, so to speak. Right, right. So uh, chapter one, creation. Chapter two, fall. Chapter three, Redemption, Chapter Four, Restoration or mm-hmm. Consummation. That's right. Um, and then the two chapter gospel, just to, for clarity, is the middle two chapters, right? That's a right. lot of times, that's the way we teach the gospel: is that is fall and redemption. That's right. right? That we're broken, we're sinful, which is true, mm-hmm. and that Jesus came and died for our sins, mm-hmm. and which is true. That's right. And because of that, we can spend eternity with God, which is true. That's right. But it's not just about those two. That's things. right. Right. Yeah. yeah. The two chapter gospel, if um, it remains there, um, it gives us a great reason um, to. To get out of the world. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't give us a basis for understanding how to actually care for the yeah. the most uh, marginalized uh, yeah. in our society and who we actually can love to life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if someone 
you know, a ministry leader or just any church member or someone somewhere said, I don't understand what, why do I need to know the difference between these two gospels? You know, why, why can't I just believe in Jesus or something like that? You know, what would you, how would you answer that question? I would say absolutely believe in Jesus and absolutely celebrate in what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But to say that Jesus, that all Jesus did on the cross was to win our forgiveness and restoring our relationship with God if that's all we think about Jesus' work on the cross, where we actually rob Christ mm. of glory, mm. because we forget that his work on the cross also makes it possible to experience peace within ourselves, yeah. allow us to be able to live for the life of others, yeah. and allow us to be able to right, be rightly related with, uh, with creation. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you... So one of the things that Flores San Diego does, you've got... I got a, uh, an academy, the Flourish Academy, and you just started a new academy with about four or five churches. Um, and this is one of the things that uh, you talk about with the churches uh, that you spend a year with. Um, how does this, how do the ministry leaders that you meet with generally, are they receptive to this? Uh, yes or no? And if, if well, if not, why? What, or what kind of pushback do you get? which I know we have gotten time to time, right? But then also when, when it's received, what's that like? Like, t- just tell me a little bit about the reactions that you get to this. Yeah, so... Um, there's like 15 things I want to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, first, I'll say this. Um, for me... The challenge that the church in North America faces Mm -hmm. as it finds itself increasingly marginalized in culture and society today, as it finds itself scratching its head wondering how do I be salt and light in the world today, uh, in many ways is precisely because we have been complicit with the world in saying that, yes, there are many swaths of of our lives, many places in society where our faith uh, doesn't belong mm-hmm. and is actually a private thing that belongs in an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. There are many reasons for that, but part of the challenge of the two-chapter gospel is that it solves a very dualistic problem of our spiritual health without being able to know how to embrace uh, the the actual created order yeah. uh, in redemptive ways. Hmm. And so when we think in a two-chapter way, it largely becomes how do we be us and how do we survive uh, as a church hmm. in this increasingly unfamiliar territory. Um, and the work that Flourish San Diego is interested in doing is figuring out how to be able to once again engage culture in ways uh, that are redemptive, not reacting uh, where we fortify ourselves against the world or we try to dominate it um, or we just blend in and accommodate. Mm. Um, I think the the metaphor for how the church needs to think about its place in North America today uh, is figuring out how to be a embodied mm. presence yeah again the the physical yeah right the gospel didn't come to us in the person of in, in the in in the form of um sky writing right it wasn't just a disembodied message it was an right. embodied message in the person of jesus right. 
And I think the gospel is an embodied message in his people, yeah. whether the people of Israel in the Old Testament or the church in the New Testament. Yeah. There's always an embodied presence in a physical world. Yeah. Um, and so that's when we talk about the big story because um, because that is such an important aspect of how to faithfully be the church in the coming generation. So the challenge is that um, many of us, um, 55 and older, I'll put myself in that category, <laughs> are coming out of a time where we've learned, where we there are certain ways of doing the church and practicing ministry, which made sense in a certain cultural moment. Yeah. But as that moment has shifted so radically, um, the kinds of leaders and uh, thinking that's required is a missiological one mm -hmm. that translates the never-changing message of Jesus Christ into an ever-changing culture. Mm -hmm. How does it be fully the teachings of Jesus but allow the church to fully be what it needs to be for the coming generation? Yeah. And so a lot of the leaders that we teach in our learning community, yeah. if they're 55 or older, there's a lot of deconstructing that needs to happen. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance that yeah. happens because all that they've, many of these faithful leaders have known has been how to be a faithful pastor mm -hmm. in a model that would have made a lot of sense two, three decades ago. Yeah. Um, and what's being asked of them to be able to think cross-culturally today is an entirely different skill set mm. uh, that missiologists are trained in um, but is quite challenging. Hmm. Let me pause there yeah. and see if that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, right. So that's the pushback. Is it's the it's a paradigm shift, right? Uh, again, going back to the uh, you, you made the comment uh, from an idea that we are saved out of the world for our own sake to the idea that we are saved into the world for its sake. So much of our theology has not really. I mean, to be crass, not cared about the world, you know, it's going to burn in the end anyway, <laughs> right? right? But um, but we are... And that would be true for um, those schools of thought that come out of a, a, a distinctly two-chapter gospel. Right. That, that's right, that's right. Some, you know, some parts of our church have been real good at caring for the poor and, right. and marginalized. Um, right. Um, yeah. Yes, so. that's true, that's true. And so when someone... Uh, uh, or just uh, tell me about your experience of, of sometimes when someone hears this and says, oh... Like, have you had that experience? Oh, my gosh, all the time. Yeah. So our class uh, this year for our learning community, you know, five uh, organizations, four churches and a, and a, a parachurch organization mm. um, that are younger, mm. you know. So mm -hmm. they're church planters. These are people that um, are excited about forming new congregations mm. um, and have started something. And a couple years into it are wondering if they've, change if they're doing something sufficiently different than what oh, they've always done mm. and we find that being able to have a robust understanding of calling and vocation and work yeah. being thoughtful about how we as the church are faithfully present within culture today yeah. actually answers all the questions the felt needs that they actually wrestle with yeah and so we get a lot of oh mm. A lot of you're putting language yeah. <clears throat> to the things that I've wrestled with for some time now, right. and that's the most satisfying thing yeah, yeah. Uh, in the world yeah. to be able to say to, to to know that you're satisfying or scratching an itch right, right. of these people that are putting it all on the line, trying to yeah. figure out how to be able to faithfully be the church yeah. uh, and go. Oh, we need this. Yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. Um, 
And I want to, I guess, affirm, having been on staff with Bush for two years, I saw that also again and again. And yeah. it's so cool to see that. Um, tell me a little bit about just your, how has this transition from thinking of the world or, or the gospel as a two-chapter gospel to a four-chapter gospel, just for you personally, what has that transition, that transformation been like? What's it meant to you? Well, my background was very much from a two-chapter mm-hmm. um, um, understanding yeah. of the story of Scripture. Yeah. And um, I remember once I started hearing that um, that my thinking had been so shaped by this sacred secular yeah. um, where the things of the Spirit are really important, but the things of the flesh or the mm. created order aren't. Yeah. I remember once I started realizing that actually... Dallas Willard once said uh, that the body is important because it is the the seat mm. of who we are as spiritual creatures, mm-hmm. and our spirituality of who we are as 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 as, um, as in terms of the unseen dimension of who we are as people yeah. manifests itself uh, in our actions yeah. and in our attitudes and mm-hmm. how we you know steward our hand yeah. to service others. Yeah. It's like if you don't think about your physical body yeah. as being deeply integrated into who we are as spiritual people, mm-hmm. right? Um, we have no theology mm-hmm. to even care yeah. uh, for those who are suffering because it's all going to burn. Yeah. And once I realized that it mattered, I began seeing the pages of Scripture that God actually, Jesus actually cared mm-hmm. about yeah. the poor. Right. When he separates the sheep and the goats, it was for very ordinary things. Mm-hmm. Gave, giving food to the hungry yeah. and drink to the thirsty yeah. for visiting yeah. uh, those in prison and for offering hospitality. Yeah. Right? These ordinary, everyday acts that yeah. require a body to do right. were, in fact, the very simple acts yeah. that distinguished yeah. uh, the sheep from the goats. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized, oh, it wasn't my seminary education, it wasn't my status as a missionary mm-hmm. that was going to make me... Um, a rock star in God's right. eyes. Right. It was the fact that I was living, that my natural inclination of feeding and serving mm. was flowing from a transformed self. Yeah. So for me then, the that whole journey of spiritual transformation, that whole journey of be increasingly becoming the kind of person mm. that God had always intended me to be mm-hmm. was like, wow. Once I began to see that all of my ministry was not try to get not was not an effort to try to get people to act Christianly yeah. when it was a very unnatural thing for them to do. Yeah. When I realized that this work of spiritual formation would allow me to become the kind of person that would naturally do the things that yes. I should be doing, I realized that for a long time, while I may have been trained and was training people to yeah. act Christianly. I was not paying attention to how to help a person become like Christ. Mm-hmm. And that was really the missing link. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a, a, a moment or a particular season where that became clear to you? Um, and I, you don't have to have had that as necessarily, but I'm just curious, you know. what? Yeah, uh, you know, I was sitting through um, a wonderful class um, Called Gospel and Heart uh, mm-hmm. out of the um, Redeemed Presbyterian Church oh, folks. Cool. This is before all their early stuff. This was twenty years ago, 
and um, it was in that course. It was, mm. you know, and all the stuff which we now call the gospel mm. um, that helped me realize that I was actually um, in the religious performance lens. Mm. And that the gospel um, actually is very different than religious performance. And the way I knew that I was beginning to understand the gospel was in how I was learning how to repent. Mm. In the past, when I felt like I would have grieved the Lord, Mm -hmm. um, I would simply feel really bad about it, feel like I needed to beat myself up, by being sufficiently repentant and sorrowful, sorrowful, sorrowful <laughs> until I felt like I was worthy enough yeah. to enter back into the presence of the Lord. Right. Which, if you stop and you think about it, is really placing myself over the Lord with regard to when I will determine when mm. I feel like I can be accepted and loved. Yeah, good point. Yeah. When I realized that the gospel meant that... Um, that that sin that I would have committed Mm -hmm. was forgiven Mm. and that I didn't have to beat myself up. Yeah. That changed everything. And I knew I was beginning to understand the gospel because at first I was being, feeling guilty for not feeling guilty. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Right? Yeah, yeah. And then slowly, as I moved from feeling guilty and beating myself up from religious performance, yeah. and then beginning to realize, oh my gosh, I don't have to feel guilty, but yeah. I feel guilty about that, hmm. to sinning, yeah. which occasionally happens. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And being able to minimize that time where I feel guilty, yeah. and watching it shift very quickly to... Thank you, Lord, for forgetting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It allowed me to repent differently. How Mm. I repented was how I understood the gospel differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now when I repent, it's... Yeah, yeah. Thank you that I'm forgiven, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without undermining my own rebellion against the Lord, but knowing fully how sinful I am, and yet also fully how forgiven I am. Yeah. And when you can do that, now you have a different source of power yeah. from which we are able to engage in this transformation. Yeah. Made all the difference in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, maybe as a, a final thought, what word of encouragement would you offer to pastors, ministry leaders, churches, Christians in general? <laughs> yeah. So I guess what I would say is for younger church planters Mm. that find themselves all excited about being new and fresh Mm. and how they live faithfully and lead congregations that live faithfully on mission with the Lord. Mm. Um, When you get discouraged, there is a way forward Mm. that makes there's a way of talking about how to faithfully be a follower of Jesus uh, and to be living into the very fulfilling um, work of being part of God's redemptive purposes. There are ways of discipling people into that. Um, so don't lose heart. Mm-hmm. For those who are older mm-hmm. um, in their career, yeah. 
who may feel like, oh my goodness, this really requires me to rethink everything. Mm-hmm. One would be, um, t- one of the things I would say is take courage. Mm-hmm. Um, because what we're talking about isn't new, it's actually quite ancient. In yeah. the time that we're coming out of, in terms of our paradigm of how to do ministry, uh, um, has was very was a great contextualization for the time it was in. Um, but culture changes, yeah. and so the work that's ahead of us now will require courage. Mm-hmm. Either by learning how to lead in that new way, mm-hmm. which I would pl- encourage you that there is a way forward yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for those who actually are on the kind of the cusp of retiring, it's figuring how to kind of create the culture in your congregations that will lay the groundwork yeah. for the work that needs to be done by the next guy that comes in. Yeah. There's a lot of thinking that needs to be done on that. Yeah. Because the paradigm, I, if I were best guess, probably 30 or 40 shifts mm. in ministerial paradigms that would be required mm. in this very transi- transitory time. Yeah, yeah. So, young guys, please take courage, just hope. And there yeah. are people that are leading the way forward. Yeah. Um, if you're older and more seasoned, you know, figure out how to steward that particular yeah. piece. Right. There's nothing that you've done wrong. You have served faithfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is work that's coming ahead that is going to feel like, you know, yeah. we're going to have to step into a time of transition. God calls us not to live with certainty, but with faith. Yeah. And learning how to live with faith by following our Lord and leading the congregations that we've been given to steward yeah. into this time of transition requires a lot of faith. Yeah. Awesome. Jeff, thank you for welcome. all of these words today. And uh, just thanks for... Uh, what you're doing with Flourish San Diego. and uh, Thanks for doing that with us. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, thanks for just the impact you've had uh, as you've stewarded your calling and your gifts um, on the church here in San Diego and even and beyond the church uh, in the city. So um, why don't you share uh, if there's any way that people can find you and Flourish San Diego, uh, anything you want to just so people can connect with you or find you. Sure. Uh, so you can find us at flourishsandiego.org. Mm-hmm. So that's our uh, website for our overall um, work and yep. ministry. For congregational leaders, uh, particularly in San Diego, uh, that are interested in learning the vocabulary and engaging in these shifts in paradigm in order to lead congregations that are faithfully on mission with the Lord yeah. uh, in, in the coming generation. If you're in San Diego and you would like to learn about our learning community, at our website, you will see um, a link to our learning community, which we call the Collective Academy. Yeah. Um, so that's a great place to learn about that. Yeah. And uh, if you are in the marketplace trying to figure out how to live out your faith, not only at work, but yeah. through your work yeah. and through your vocation and through your um, sphere of influence, um, we offer great classes uh, in our offices. Yeah. Um, and that would be something you just send me an email. Yeah. Jeff at flourishsandiego.org. Okay. Awesome. Um, and you know what? I'm also going to include a link 
to the pictures. We didn't talk about the pictures, but um, I'll say something in my outro. How about that? Okay, great. <laughs> uh, that reflect the four chapters of the gospel. And you can find these beautiful, amazing pictures that Flores San Diego commissioned several years ago. And you can uh, buy them online if, if, right. if you like sort of a visual uh, reminder or representation of those four chapters. So really, really, really cool stuff. So thanks, Jeff. And uh, some you know, we've got all kinds of stuff we could talk about, so we'll do this again. How okay. does that sound? Sure. All right, good. So here's my question to you. Uh, in light of everything that uh, you just heard, what, what kind of a gospel do you believe in? Uh, do you tend to live your life as though the gospel were a two-chapter gospel, you know, where chapter one says we're sinful, and chapter two says Jesus died for you so you can go to heaven when you die? Or do you live your life as though the gospel were a four-chapter gospel, right? Chapter one, the world was created with beauty, harmony, order, shalom. Chapter two, sin entered the story and disrupted shalom. Chapter three, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, makes shalom possible. Shalom with God, with each other, within ourselves, and with the creation. And chapter four, uh, one day, the world will be restored to a state of perfect shalom. And in the meantime, kind of now, between chapters 3 and 4, we get to partner with God in bringing shalom into the world through both the ordinary and the extraordinary things that we do each day. Well, if you want to connect with Jeff or find out more about Flourish San Diego, uh, you can connect with Jeff uh, by email. His email address is jeff at flourishsandiego.org. And Jeff, by the way, is spelled G-E-O-F-F, as my daughter likes to call him, G-O-F-F. <laughs> so jeff at flourishsandiego.org. Uh, you can check out uh, the website, uh, www.flourishsandiego.org, and you can also follow uh, Jeff and Flourish on Twitter at FlourishSD. Uh, I'll include all of these links in the show notes, which you can find at uh, slash category slash podcast, or you can get there by going to marcuswatson.com and just click on the podcast uh, link in the menu. Uh, you can also email me if you'd like to, marcus at marcuswatson.com, and follow me on Twitter at marcuswatson. And all of these Marcus Watsons are with a K, M-A-R-K-U-S-W-A-T-S-O-N. And lastly, uh, I would sure appreciate it if you'd be willing to just take a couple of minutes and uh, leave a review for uh, for this podcast on iTunes. If you uh, would be so kind as to leave a five-star review, that would be awesome. But any review will be appreciated, and your honest feedback is definitely appreciated. So thanks so much for listening today, and uh, I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. <music>